Good morning, one and all. Uh, I have a little video for you too. So. Could have been my dog, but it wasn't. Uh, does life ever feel like that? Like that picture, that scene, that image? I, I wonder if life ever feels a little bit like that. Um, I think as we come into this new year, it's been our tradition almost now. It becomes we begin in prayer. Uh, we start the year in prayer. It feels like a gift from the Lord to actually start this year, particularly of all years in prayer, uh, to come before him. And so that's the, the theme of this series. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the question of prayer. Uh, and really, like Jesus' disciples, as they approached him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, uh, that's, our, that's our prayer, that's our ask, and how gladly the Lord responds and speaks to us uh, in that request. And so this is a series of deeper uh, as we continue in our theme of deeper for the more and the better life, that, that more and better life from John 10.10 10, that actually Wayne spoke about, thank you Wayne, last week, that shalom uh, that Jesus extends to all of us. Um, it's through that we go into a deeper place uh, with the Lord, that he would stir in us a heart to seek after him, that we would renew our devotion to him, that we would recenter the many swirling thoughts and the longings of our hearts on him. And so this next few weeks, that's what we're going to do on this series on prayer. Lord, teach us to pray, uh, that the Lord would take us deeper into and through uh, prayer. And uh, we're going to be able to draw from, um, we're actually going to be teaching uh, material drawn largely from Pete Gregg's book. Pete Gregg is a guy that started up 24-7, which is now a movement that is around the globe. Uh, prayer rooms that started up in the UK that have now in uh, nations all over the world uh, where people are gathering to, pr uh, to pray uh, and seek uh, God's kingdom and uh, to, to wonderful effect and transformation. Um, so that's our theme, that's our challenge uh, as we go into this new year. And I like in his new book, uh, which is How to Pray, uh, it says it's a simple guide for normal people. Uh, that's, that's good, right? Because prayer actually is not complicated. It's not necessarily easy, but it's not complicated. Jesus himself warned against um, those that make it more complicated. He said in Matthew, when you pray, assuming... Don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they'll think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus' response to his disciples, um, that they, should, he, they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? What did he give them? He gave them a simple poem. Uh, it would have been, in the original language, it would have been 31 words in total that rhymed, actually. Um, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, said that the, of the Lord's Prayer, it's simple enough to be memorized by small children and yet profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of prayer. So when we come to this question of prayer, for all of us, um, whatever we think we might know about it, whatever we might already practice as our habits of prayer, uh, my prayer is actually, my prayer for all of us is that God would show us something new. But more than that, he would stir us as a church 
uh, into that place of intimacy with him, to seek after him and to expect him for more. I was really, in my own prayer time and, and devotional habits and New Year's Day, probably like many of us, um, coming before the Lord and having that sense of what, what is ahead, Lord, for this year? You know, I have, a, I have a journal, I pray and I journal and I write stuff down and it's kind of my time with God. And, um, you know, there's just, and at the beginning of a year like this, like how can we even make plans um, going forward? And for some of us, there's sort of minor inconveniences. I was meant to be running a race next week. It's already been canceled. It's been postponed till May, not canceled, uh, till April. Uh, but that's like a minor thing. But some of us are actually going through some pretty major challenges that affect our health, that affect, health, affect our, our family. Uh, some unexpected developments. Some are, some are welcome. Some are exciting. Some are less welcome. And it might be that as we start at the, at the gate of this year, it feels a little formless and empty and a little chaotic. And so if, like me, you've started this year and you're reading through the Bible again and you've come back to Genesis, I couldn't help but think on that New Year's Day as I read that verse in uh, Genesis, verse 2, it talked about the, that it was formless and empty. But then I read, but the Spirit of God hovered. And so as we come to this new year, with whatever sense that brings in us, whatever chaos it might feel like, whatever void we might be looking into, that absence, the darkness, whatever it is, I want you to hear this morning that the Spirit of God hovers. So as we come to him, as we come to this new year, Know that the Spirit of God is with us. He is here and he hovers and is poised to act. That is our God. And that is the one to whom we pray. He is the one that breathes life. He is the one that brings order to our chaos. Breathes life in us today. He makes us new. And he is here now to act. So in our prayer... My encouragement, number one, is that we would pray with an expectancy to see more of what God might do. So I, the, the, there's a practical piece to this series. And it's, yeah, the disciples said, Lord, how do, we, how do we pray? Would you teach us how to pray? So we're going to jump straight into the how. Because what I want to do in, in this challenge over the next 24 days is that you guys are going to tell me, whether you're here, whether you're at home, I want you guys to tell me why. Because through the course of this next few weeks, we're going to experience together the why we pray. And I want you to be posting this stuff on this whiteboard, on the website, on the link that we've put out there, from your own experiences, from your own understanding. Not just, oh yeah, I know that in my mind, this is, this is the stuff, this is why we pray. But let's put down, this is why I pray. When I pray, this happens, or this happened, or God has done this. When we pray, I want us to think about the experience of prayer. We're coming into the presence of an awesome God. Jesus says, come to him as Father. There is intimacy with God the Father, but he is a God to be hallowed that we would respect the one in whom, who invites us into his presence. But when we pray, 
I want you to think, I want you to be aware and conscious of, Lord, what's happening? Like, what, what, is, what goes on in my body? What do I feel in my mind? What happens to my heart? How do I feel in my spirit? What, Lord, are you doing? What are you showing me? What are you teaching me? This is why I pray. So how do we do it? How do we get started? When the disciples said to Jesus in Luke 11, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus said, well, when you pray, and then proceeded to speak through uh, what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. He assumed that prayer is part of it, when you pray. And the first thing that I want to encourage us to do in how to get started is actually to stop. Like I want us to stop. Our hyperactivity actually is one of the greatest obstacles to our spiritual formation. We are so busy, we are so distracted. Actually, today, more than ever in an age, how is it possible for us to hear the still, small voice of God when we are so constantly on the go with activations and notifications and demands on our time that are calling us this way, that way, and every way? When the Lord just says, would you be still and know that I am God. That little video that I shared, uh, that I showed you at the very beginning, um, I wanted a visual of something that uh, Pete Gregg in his book talks about the parable of the deranged greyhound uh, and the wild dog eating chair. And he says, the tranquility of Guildford's picturesque, Guildford's in London, cobbled high street was shattered one Sunday morning by the yelping of a dog and a strange metallic cluttering. Suddenly, a, grazed, a crazed greyhound came scrabbling around the corner with its whippet tail between its legs, weaving between shouting shoppers. Frantic with fear, the dog was being hotly pursued by one of those cheap chrome bistro chairs attached to the other end of the dog's leash. The chair seemed alive, like a dancing snake, weaving and flailing, striking and biting at that terrified animal's rear. Perhaps the dog's owner was unaware of the pet's plight, innocently waiting for coffee at some nearby shop. A movement must have made that chair twitch, which had made the dog jump, which had made the chair leap, which had made the dog scamper, which had made the chair pounce, which had made the dog yelp, which made shoppers shout, which had let the dog run even more frantically, pursued all the while by this terrifying piece of metal and these crowds of screaming, grabbing strangers. The faster the dog ran, the wilder the chair's pursuit became. The higher it bounced, the harder it pounced, the louder it banged and clanged and zinged on the cobbles. For all I know, that dog is still running. And he goes on to say that we all can live our lives a lot like this greyhound, driven and disoriented by irrational fears pursued by entire packs of bloodthirsty bistro chairs too scared to simply stop. The first thing that I want to challenge us to do when we come to this 24 days of prayer is that we would stop. See, what is our response to the stuff? Because I think, and 
understandably, I think we can get a bit twitchy. You know, the slightest noise, oh my goodness, and we got to, like, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What and the Lord, and I, and I want to encourage us that the next twitch, that before we go running and scampering and pounding down the high street and dragging whatever might be, might, we might have attached ourselves to, might we pause and be still and know that the Lord is God. Whatever, whatever challenge, whatever thing might rise up against you, and there will be something, and for many of us already right now, but might our posture be to stop and to breathe deep, the Spirit of God hovers, and to invite him, Lord, what are you going to do in this for your goodness, for your glory, and for your child? Lord, I wait on you. What is our response? Can we be that still presence? Can we bring the presence of God to those situations? I wondered if there were other dogs in that high street as the bistro chair pursued greyhound made his way, what might have happened? I'm pretty sure he'd have riled those other dogs up as well. And I think we can do that, can't we? So be aware of your conversations and the spirit with which you are being taken. Are we, are we speaking peace and calm and a posture of God's sovereignty, his care, his protection, his rule over our lives, the goodness of God? Or are we getting carried away by the clanging and the clattering of the chair that's banging behind us? when actually the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. Can we trust in and redirect our conversation? Can we press pause and trust in the confident and, and, and be confident in the goodness and faithfulness of God? So when we start this week on prayer, Actually, what I want you to do is just that, is to pause and actually put your prayer list to one side. And for seven minutes, for this week, can you stop and pause in silence? In stillness and silence, welcoming the presence of God. See, pause is a rhythm. We're made for stillness and, and silence, actually. Isn't that the way that we're made, that within our days, within our weeks, within our years, there are rhythms of pause, Sabbath. We have daily rhythms. It's something that we've been encouraging all of us as a church, that we might begin our day in prayer, that there might be a moment in the middle of the day that we would pause and recenter once again. And as we come to the end of the day, many of us are reading through the Lecture 365, and if you haven't found it or downloaded it, there's a link to it on this website, on our page, uh, that will help you to find it, and you can access it and start practicing these moments of still, silent reflection where we welcome the Spirit of God and enter into his presence. To say this word, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, verse 10. That be still actually means to vacate. To vacate. 
take a vacation. God says, hey, take a break. I've got this. How many of us need to hear that right now? Eugene Peterson said, life's basic decision is rarely, if ever, whether to believe in God or not, but whether to worship or compete with him. Right? One of the biggest differences between us and God, he goes on to say, is that like, God doesn't think he's us. But we tend to live and think as if we are God ourselves. We were made for stillness. Can we, this week, over the next 24 days, take at least seven minutes to sit in stillness and in silence and know that he is God? It's not easy. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. So I think we have to practice this. And, and some of us, you think, oh, seven minutes, how hard is it? So I really want you to try Turn off your phone, turn off your notification, find a quiet place, go into a room, close a door, get comfortable, sit in silence and be still before him. And sometimes your thoughts are going to run away and, and that's okay. I love the, I read, it's, you know, someone described it as, it's like you know, when you're on a boat on a lake and it's all calm and then suddenly a speedboat goes boom and suddenly you're kind of, bobbling around again, but if you wait, those ripples will go and all will be well. But can we practice stillness and silence uh, before him? I I want us to do this in such a way that as if our life actually depended on it, because actually, I kind of think it does. Because I kind of think that the life that God intends for us, that fullness of love, of life, the shalom, the, the, the life, the more and the better life, the deeper life that Jesus has for us actually is grounded in this place. That's where we find it. That's where we discover it. Uh, I read a book last year, um, and a colored one in as well, Wayne. Um, that was uh, by John Mark Comer, and I've referred to him before, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If there's a book that you think, oh, what shall I read this year? I'd recommend that one amongst others, but that would be one. And in it, he says, he talks about, right at the very beginning, he talks about where he got his, his title for the book from, uh, of a conversation between John Altberg, who was his mentor, talking to John Altberg, talking to his mentor, who was Dallas, Dallas Willard, and, said, and, and Altberg asked Dallas Willard, so how do I become the me that I really want to be? Right? How do I become the me that I really want to be? And he said there was a long pause, which apparently was a common thing when asking Dallas Willard a question. And then after the pause, he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And, uh, and John Altberg apparently, God, that's so good. He wrote it down. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life. Boom, great. What else? And there was another long pause after which he said, now, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, some people do this naturally. I don't find it easy. I notice, you know, I, I kind of trip over people because I just walk quicker than people. And I'm, I'm trying to kind of slow down how I walk. I kind of don't, I'm really, my legs just want to go, I'm going to slow down. Something about just looking at the life of Jesus, who never kind of, you never hear about, so Jesus gathered up his clothes and legged it. 
because people were waiting for him. So, to help you, I mean, just a couple of, like, things that I do, things that other people have done, things that you might do, share these on this website. Put it up. We're going we're gonna to do this together as a church. We're going to grow together. We're going to nurture one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to share the things that we do that help us, that we can help and bless one another in this. You're going to light a candle. Light a candle and be reminded of the light that has come into the world. Watch its flame. Smell the, the, the fragrance. Find a space, a space. Take a deep breath. And, you know, don't think, oh, he's going all a bit new agey. I mean, the Spirit of God breathed. Jesus breathed. And they had life. The Spirit of God breathed life into creation. He created. And so can we breathe God's presence? Can we welcome him? Can we, you, might, you might pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And say it. Repeat it. You might, so other people take, you know, I, you start prayers, we're like, thank you, Jesus. When we often, uh, when we come forward for prayer, when I go forward to receive prayer from people, I just, my posture is one that I stand there because I want to receive and, and I anticipate, I expect to receive from God that my prayer as I stand there silently is just repeatedly, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Try that. As you pray, as you sit in that silence in that moment, can you start, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You might pray, you know, the Jesus, prayer, the Jesus prayer, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus There are, there are many words and phrases and expressions and prayers that we can use. We have the Psalms, we have scripture to meditate upon that, that can bring us to that place of intimacy and presence. We, we might simply pray the prayers of St. Francis of Assisi, my God and my all. Well, the desert father has come, Lord, the Lord has come. Sometimes I like to pray in tongues as I come to pray quietly, Lord. Inspire me by your spirit. Let my spirit speak to yours. So try it. See, it's, it's, not, it's simple, but it's not easy, and it takes some perseverance. But I promise you, and I can confidently tell you, that our small effort and our gesture of turning to God, that he is right there to meet us when we do. It doesn't matter actually quite what you say. Don't get so hung up on the words of what you're saying. It's actually about, Lord, I just want to remove the distraction and slow down. I want to pause enough to recenter my thoughts and my heart uh, on you. But it's not, it's not for all of us, right? Some of us are like, oh, just this sitting down thing, being still. I mean, even as I'm talking to you, right, you can see how much I'm moving around. Like what, so how do we do? You know, there's actually been, I love this. Uh, if you are an external processor, um, an active learner, which is about half of us, um, you know, we process stuff, we, we, we actually do that actively. So it might be for some of us that actually pausing and slowing down means activity, means movement. 
You know, it's not... It's an interesting thing that so many people over this last two years have taken up um, running. There's been an uptick in the uh, number of people that run. Why is that? There's, a, there's um, been a new, um, some uh, research that said exercise, exercise can actually be more effective than sitting still as a means of calming the brain. Someone said to me the other day, how are you doing? I said, hey, I'm good. I'm running more and more these days. <laughs> Why is that? Because actually I found that these times when I am out on my own and running, it's a way in which God just calms my mind and my thoughts. So, you know, when you see people out and they're out, these guys that are out, some of them in our, in our community, some of them are not here today because they're probably out riding their bikes. <laughs> but it is a place oh, where we can enjoy communion with God. And for some of us, don't feel bad about it. My own experience has been that. I've been out running. Saying, Lord, I, I just, am, I, am I making this up? But I feel your presence. I, I just, it feels like some of the sweetest moments of communion with God. And the Lord spoke to me, no, like... I love that you love this. This is our time. And, um, you know, I mean, if you've seen the movie Chariots of Fire, it's an old film now. In the 80s, I realized some people, I think we're all covered, but some people are like, not even born in the 80s. We're good, right? But if you had, so Chariots of Fire, the story, it's a story about Eric Liddell, and uh, he's a son of Scottish missionaries. Who are, he was born in China while they were out there working. He competed in the 1924 Paris Olympics. And he himself said, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Now, I am no Olympian <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm saying is there is something in that place of activity that God, for some of us, it's where it's a means of calming our mind and stilling our thoughts before the Lord. Jesus did it, didn't he? Look how many times Jesus climbed a mountain to pray. Jesus may have been one of the early trail runners. We don't know. Got up there, sat, prayed, met with the Lord. He threw himself to the ground. He drew in sand. And so it was that he drew his thoughts and came to the Lord in prayer. And so your mission, should you accept it, is to press pause this week. To press pause to be still, and to recenter your thoughts on Jesus. And as we do, we will begin to pray from a deeper place of peace, faith, and correspondingly less anxiety. As God reframes our perspective and understanding of all the swirling and the clattering that is going on around us. So when the next thing does come along and causes you the chair to twitch before you run, can you pause and take a breath and be still and know that he is God? I want to finish with one thought because I know that it's not always busyness that keeps us from stopping, from pausing and seeking the Lord's presence, because that's what I'm inviting us into, to experience more of the Lord's presence. But it's not just busyness that stops us. Remember in, in Genesis, we read about the fall. And in Genesis 3, the man and the woman who had enjoyed such intimacy with God, who had lived and walked and God walked in the presence with them and that they were, they were with him and close to him. They saw each other. They walked with God. And 
And yet, at the fall, God was walking and he was looking for them and they like, where? You know, and they hid from him for shame. They hid from him. And God called out, where, where are you? He didn't say, what have you done? He said, where are you? He said, oh, we, we realized that we were naked, we, so we, we hid from you. We didn't, want, we didn't want to be seen. It was shame. See, we have an enemy that would seek to, do, to separate us from the Father through sin, through shame, through guilt, through condemnation, doubt. But Jesus came that we might know the fullness of life. But he does remind us that Satan, the enemy, the thief, seeks only to steal, to kill, to destroy the life that God has for us. For some of us, the prospect of entering into the presence of God, of being still, of being seen by God, to be fully exposed before him, might actually fill us with dread. How can I approach, how can I come close to God or even expect to enter into his presence? Paul says in Philippians 4, the Lord is near Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is near, but the closeness of God is not a cause for anxiety, but of rejoicing and of praise and of worship. Why is that? Because Jesus, by his one sacrifice, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Our sin, our lawless acts are remembered no more. We have been forgiven. No further sacrifice is necessary, we read in Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I want to invite the worship team uh, to come up now. And I want to invite us all to take a moment that we are going to pause. Will you accept this challenge over these next few weeks to just stop in your day to seek after Jesus? Jesus stands here today before us and holds the door open. He invites us in to the presence of the Father. He has made a way for us. Will we enter in? Will we receive all that he has for us? I'm going to invite you to stand uh, with me now. Um, for some of us, this is uh, actually a, you know, it might be a first time thing, whether you're at home or you're here. But this idea of to be able to go, to enter, to be known by God, to be seen by God, and yet loved by God, 
to accept the invitation that Jesus has made, has made a way who opens, who pulls back the curtain to enter into the presence of God, to know his forgiveness and to know his love. And maybe if that is you today for the first time, your first prayer is one of surrender. Jesus, I, I, I surrender my life to you. Some of us, there may be things that we've hitched ourselves to that we need to surrender to him again. But for all of us, can we pray, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. We come to Jesus through confession, through repentance, but we come in faith that he's faithful and that he has done it, that no further sacrifice is needed, but that we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. So be still. Let's pause. Let's allow him to restore to us his peace. May we recenter our lives on him in such a way that we would see that that thing that was driving our fear and our frenzy was little more than a clattering chair.